This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. My name is Keen, and for the first two years of my life, I couldn't even walk. Welcome to Sissy That Pod. I am riding solo today. James is on his holidays. So it's just me, but I have a fantastic guest in the form of Louis XIV, host of Pop Pantheon Podcast. And we chop it up all about this week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. It's an acting challenge, making super teasers for the show and also the night of a thousand Jennifer Lopez's. I mean, Jennifer Lopez herself puts in a pretty meek appearance in this week's show. But I did see on Twitter she retweeted every single look that uh, World of Wonder put out there. So look, maybe she's supporting them on the back end, which is which is good to see. Just going to say up top, we are going to be covering UK versus the world coming this Tuesday on the feed. Episodes hopefully going out Wednesday, if, you know, time is good to me and I get a chance to edit them. So we'll be doing two episodes a week for you. And if you'd like to say thank you and support the show, you can head over to headstuffpodcast.com, sign up. For five euro a month, you can support the show. It'll be grateful. It'll keep us going for the next six weeks when we've got two episodes to do. And you'll get some bonus material uh, once those six weeks are over and you have a back catalogue to delve into there. This week we're chatting about the latest RuPaul album, Mama Ru, with Andrea Cleary, music journalist. And we're, we are... We are getting to the nooks and cranny of RuPaul's music career and where does it stand in the year of our Lord 2022. So, Joe, actually, their guest this week, uh, Louis the Fourteenth, I think would like that because he is a massive music fan, speaks with music in really, really detailed ways. And if you are a pop music fan, you'd love his show Pop Pantheon. But I'm going to stop rambling. Let's talk about Drag Race now. Louis the Fourteenth for season 14, episode four. Let's go. Louis, the 14th host of Pop Pantheon, thank you so much for joining me today to discuss Drag Race. Tell me, where does where does your relationship with this gargantuan franchise begin? Uh, to be honest with you, I was late to the party, I have to say. I was like one of those gays that was like, wow, this feels like a huge phenomenon that my entire people are obsessed with and I'm just like not engaged. I don't know why. And then uh, about... Uh, let's see, probably whenever season 10 was airing, the one that Aquaria won, mm-hmm. I somehow somebody convinced me like you gotta watch this like I think the problem was I generally am kind of like averse to reality shows that like I, I, I didn't get it I guess is the main thing I could say like I sort of am like like the housewives all of that kind of stuff like I I, it's not my bag, generally speaking, and I think I, like, inappropriately grouped this in with that, and long story short, I ended up watching season 10 and just realizing, like, oh, no, this is, like, a showcase for, like, the most incredible talent and the most, like, queer-centric, the only, like, one of the only mainstream queer-centric spaces, like, on television, and I was immediately hooked, and then since then, I've been, like, an absolute like super fan. I've seen like every season multiple times and I'm like, ups- like I'm a total like drag race stand, but I was late to the party. Yeah. I was a really late as well. And it's funny because I had the impression when, before I knew, like when I heard my friends talk about it, that it was basically like the Kardashians with drag queens. And I was like, that's not for me. And then all I needed to hear was, oh no, it's a competition. I was like, oh, okay, no, I'm in, I'm in, that's fine. <laughs> that was, yeah, that's what you mean. 
to be, I mean, not to get too deep here, but I do think there was like also some, like, I think there was like some latent internalized homophobia on my mm. part because I Agreed. like, I don't, I don't know. I think I, I think I, um, really didn't understand what drag, I mean, I knew what drag was and I'd been to drag shows, but I don't, I did not have a deep appreciation for it as an art form prior to watching this. So I think that was another major part of it was like, I didn't get like what artists and what incredible entertainers and like the the high level that this all functions on like was not clear to me and i think that was one of the revelations i had from watching i feel embarrassed to say that as like a no, I think dj that's who like worked in nightlife and whatever but like <laughs> that was really i didn't get it i thought of drag i i had the kind of a lowlier perception of drag i'm ashamed to say no i definitely i did not appreciate the the level of i think I think there was definitely a part of me that just thought it was like a like it's just a gender expression that wasn't necessarily entertainment as well, possibly. So that's probably because yeah. I said, I would have said it watching before I was out too like often in gay bars and stuff too. So mm. I guess I probably would have bumped into it then if I had been out. How does yeah. season fourteen stack up for you so far? I'm getting into it. I have to say, for the first time, I was like because I think I was late to the party. I couldn't get enough like for the fir- for the last many years and especially like when we were in quarantine or whatever like it was just comfort food mm. and I like couldn't get enough like I was like rewatching seasons and and then of course like the amount of new franchises that have come out in the last couple of years especially in the last year was like exciting and then I think I got a little bit fatigued at some point last year um just with like the non-stop parade of drag race seasons so I'm enjoying this one but I'm it's the first time I've come into a new season since I started watching and been like I wouldn't say like I'm in I'm into it but I'm not I'm like I'm waiting to be fully won over, I guess, on some yeah. level. Like, I I like a lot of the, the contestants this time. There's definitely, like, a lot of standouts that I'm appreciating. But it's the first time I've come into it with a slight fatigue for the franchise in general, is what I would say. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's fatigue, but I definitely do agree with you. I found there's actually nothing... With maybe the exception of stuff in the first episode, I think maybe Cornbread's like lip sync number that I've loved. Yes, that was incredible. I watched that like I watched that like yeah. five times in a row last <laughs> night when I was like thinking about coming on here. It was incredible. It's really like I need that song in my life. Like I just she's a local queen here in L.A. So sure, I yeah. definitely got to figure out a way to go see her at the Abbey or whatever. But like, yeah, I agree. That's been the standout moment for me so far. And and Willow Pill's weird talent show thing just stood out to me because I think part of the problem that I'm struggling with a little bit is like the thing that happens in everything. It happens in music. It happens in all culture, which is like things start to feel like a facsimile of a facsimile of a facsimile. Like, you know, there's, there's less of the surprise. I feel like because the franchise has come to define the art form so much, it's like everybody comes in, they fill their archetypes. Like it's harder to stand out. I feel like sometimes like you have to really be special at this point to like jump out and not feel like you're just kind of like, Oh, you remind me of this person and that person and this legend from the franchise and that legend from the franchise. Like I feel like it's harder. I feel like somehow in the earlier seasons, whether this was because maybe the casts were better because they had a bigger crop cream of the crop to choose from, or because this has just defined drag culture for so long that it's like inseparable from drag culture. But like there's, I find that 
there's always like a few, a handful of queens that really stand out for me in the newer seasons, and then a lot of more forgettable queens that I like will go half the season and keep being like, wait, who's that one again? Like, who's that one again? Which yeah. like I never had in like the peak sort of seasons four through whatever eight or nine of Drag Race and all the like kind of like I, main iconic seasons of the U.S. franchise. Yeah, no, I agree. I f- I'm finding this season. Especially with Alyssa going this episode, and we'll get into the episode, I guess, in a bit. I'm finding uh, like a a lot a big dirge of less interesting skinny white queens. Of yes, like exactly. Orion, yes. Daya, Camden. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know who who else is it? I like Willow. I like Bosco. Uh, mm-hmm. I know Georgia. Georgia's a Latina. She doesn't really stand out to me. Uh, right. Uh, uh, so I'm just kind of like you know Maddie to a certain extent, even though I think they uh, I'm less bored by them. Then I'm just kind of like you are the people who should be going now, not Alyssa. Alyssa, I thought had more to give. I agree. I mean, I will say, yeah, like I was just to build on what you were just saying. I was watching the episode last night at like a viewing, like a at a bar, like a gay bar in, in uh, downtown LA with a friend, and I had to keep. I've watched every episode, super engaged. And I had to keep turning to him and being like wait, like, who's that one again? Like, who's that? Wait, which one is that? Like, and I was, mm. like, mixing uh, exactly the ones you just brought up, the sort of sinny white queens, Orion story being, what, like, an obvious one uh, that I just kind of am like, wait, I, this person has made, like, zero impression on me in four episodes so far. And, um, wait, I had something else I wanted to tell you, and now I can't. Oh, I do think the Maddie thing is the most interesting thing that's going on this season. I mean, I don't know how you feel about it, necessarily. I... I have been like trying to check myself a little bit on it because one of the things, as I mentioned earlier, that I love about Drag Race is it's so rare to have such a queer centric space, like where you turn on the TV and everybody is queer. I mean, how we don't, that never happens. Like it's, it, that's what part of what made Drag Race so incredible to me as a gay guy, as a queer person is like, to have a sort of mainstream show that everybody's consuming that features queer artists just felt like such an important part of Drag Race. And I don't, I don't want to be exclusionary because I don't think that's the point of all of this. I'm just being honest that there's sort of like a... I've had to grapple, I guess, a little bit with like that question. And so that's been one of the more interesting facets of this season for me is like, where does a straight drag queen like fit into a franchise that has like kind of been on the vanguard of like creating like a very queer centric mainstream television space. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is interesting. And it's funny because the way they hold, like the way Maddie holds themselves and just even like their fashion out of drag, like they truly in and drag out of drag, just read as a straight man. Like you can definitely tell, like if you were blindfolded, you'd be able to pick him out as, as the straight It's a little bit of a mind fuck because I mean, I don't know how you feel about this as like a I'm queer okay person, with but like, yeah. But I, I know I'm, I'm asking more in like your personal life. Like there are certain moments where like uh, vulnerable moments where like I wouldn't be comfortable sharing certain things with straight guys in the room. Like so I've always loved the aspect of Drag Race, which is like we all share this sort of experience of what it means to be queer. And like all the mirror chats and the conversations that go on behind the scenes there are sort of like a rare representation on TV of like queer people sharing experiences and supporting one another and like in this way that's felt very unique and healing in a sense to see reflected back to you and it's just a very interesting new dynamic to now all of a sudden have a straight guy in the room like 
just it's it's just it's added something. It just made me think, is what I'm saying. More. Yeah, cornbread versus Jasmine on her talking too much. When you see an exchange like this, who do you find yourself? Who do, who do you think the edit was leaning for you to to back in this in this debate? Cornbread. I mean, first of all, Cornbread is like clearly like all uh, immediate fan favorite. If we're talking about like the handful of queens that have immediately sort of like become the stars of the show, like who seem like front runners, Cornbread is one. It's obvious. I mean, you brought it up too. You said like, what's one of the only things that's really struck you right off the bat here was Cornbread's talent show performance. And I'm right there with you. I think Cornbread and I think Cornbread has really shown some vulnerability in the workroom. Like last week, especially when they were talking about their experience um, coming out as trans and like what their childhood was like and the relationship with their family. So I'm like fully invested in Cornbread's story. Jasmine is one of those queens that is on the other side of the debate for me personally, where like I still can't like fully like I don't care that much about them. So uh, I was fully like Team Cornbread. And also I hate when bitches don't know how to carry on a conversation. It's one of my biggest pet peeves <laughs> in dating, in life. Like I can't tell you how many dates I've sat through. I was triggered because I'm like, I can't tell you how many dates I've sat through in my life where I'm like, can you ask me a question and just shut the fuck up? Like, I feel like you have been talking for like four hours and like, I haven't told you anything about myself. Like, do you know what a conversation is like mm. do you understand that a conversation is like asking questions back and forth and like having a balanced exchange of ideas so i was triggered and i was fully on team cornbread for that yeah personal I, what about i you? mean someone has to be very talkative if they're going to out talk a podcast or just the way it's either have to be... <laughs> or a drag queen honestly hey, there you go. <laughs> yeah i found myself favoring cornbread and I was, I was wondering, was it just because I like her? But I think I do think what she was saying was true. I thought she was maybe being like 20% slightly too harsh, but I think that was just to yeah. prove a point that she kept cutting over her. Um, but you know more what? so you... like when it comes go back ahead, to Untucked the day before or the, the week before and she was trying to say thank you. And Jasmine interrupts with this, because I would have called you out, girl, and this hideous like shrill laugh i was like oh awful horrible i'll tell you the thing that drove it home for me too was when angeria like was like that needed to happen in the confessional i was kind of like okay like they all feel this way like it's not just a cornbread issue that was kind of also what helped me sort of like land on team cornbread about that yeah and also crying because you didn't win is never a good look never was it that did someone in the show say to quote the famous trixie mattel um yeah bosco did uh, yeah, that was really good. That was super yeah. apt. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the, the like, that's a lot of emotion for safe. <laughs> for safe, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So they get to choose team Willow and Maddie and Willow chooses Cornbread, Camden, Bosco, Kerry and Georges, which I mean is like, that's as if, I feel like that's a lineup you'd, you'd choose if you didn't have any, like if you just got to choose your top five. Sure. Other than maybe sure. Angeria that you'd put in there. And Maddie right. chooses uh, Deja, Daya, Alyssa, Orion and Angie, which I thought was like, everybody who's, had to do a lip sync for their life was on the one team which i thought was, oh, was poor, poorly chosen yeah, yeah, yeah. um and they get to you know uh writing their their super spoilers which i thought this was actually a really fun idea for a for an acting challenge because you know they're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel at certain seasons especially now that there's multiple franchises so i thought this was a really fun fun take on it it was i was a little bit nervous because how could anything be as outrageous as Untucked can be, like, in its best moments? So I was a little bit, like, you know, I find often these acting challenges succeed when you take something that can be made drag and can be more made more outrageous, more out there, and, like, 
Like, which is, like, normally what they do. Like, they take The Bachelor, which, like, is vaguely and subtly outrageous to begin with, and they turn it into, like, the campiest, craziest, Mm. most over-the-top thing. But, like, Untucked in its finest moments. How do you top the great Untucked moments? Like, that was one of my concerns going into it. I was like, I think they were were successful to some degree and some more than others, but that was one of the first thoughts that crossed my mind. Just, like... Untucked is, can be fucking outrageous at its best to begin with. So and I think it's season five where there's a challenge where they basically have to recreate the moments and they're just lip syncing yes. to the original audio. So this is a much better take of it than than that because it, it that was that was a mess of a challenge. Agreed, and also like it gives the queens more of an opportunity to like improv and do more than just kind of like have to be stuck to the script of the previous like, yeah. whatever they were interpreting in that season. Jump to the actual ads now. Um, like I think, I think they were both actually quite good. Uh, I think Willow's was just slightly better. I think that's partially got to do with Willow. I also thought Bosco did a, a really fun job, and I was disappointed to see that they were only safe. Um, Georges is somebody for me who disappeared in the challenge. I was surprised they weren't in the bottom. I know they cry and untucked about it, but I thought they did worse than Kerry. I love George's actually weirdly not in this challenge I agree like I told I can barely even remember what they did but I have I'm struck by George's fierceness on the runway like I during the ball challenge last week was like actually quite taken with the fact that like their outfits were so simple and like if you saw them on like another queen you might be like oh this is like kind of unremarkable especially like that original red dress in the first part of the but they're so fucking fierce at, in their walk and like how they just own the stage that I have kind of been team Georges but I agree like I have zero like sitting here right now like I kind of can't even remember what Georges did aside from like one sort of cutaway shot where like her wig was kind of falling off yeah uh, I think she had uh, one talking it. head moment where she did like a tongue pop or something I think that like, yeah. that was yeah. it <laughs> yeah no she's she didn't I, I have basically no memory of what she did in this challenge because like Willow gave us that that bitchular shtick which I thought was very funny and even like when it cuts back to right in the end and she's like I need love like I think like she really carried the team together and Carrie although I'm finding like the luster of Carrie is fading quite quickly for me Ooh, I for sure. thought her you know I thought her acting in the I'm really sorry you're not me was quite genuine and like it carried a yeah. laugh and I thought it was quite decent and it just seems like the judging in this show and I suppose we'll get to that in a minute but it was like if you faded into the background you were safe but if you did something if you put yourself out there and it just wasn't perfect you were in the bottom and I thought that was mm. a bit unfair well a few things I'm thinking about is um yeah, I agree with you. No one flopped, which is rare for these challenges, especially this mm. early in the season. Like, everyone did a decent job. There was nobody out there that I felt like was just, like, an obvious, like, disaster, which yeah. is rare. I really did think they all did a pretty good job. I really thought Willow, both Willow and, weirdly, uh, Deja Sky, who has not done anything for me so far in the season... I thought Deja did a great job. Like, I thought that was a really genuinely funny, like, little moment she had about, like, I was born at a really young age. Like, that was I couldn't hilarious. even walk for the first two uh, years of my life. <laughs> that was so funny. And, like, such a unique idea that I don't think I've ever seen done on Drag Race. You know, whereas Cornbread, who I genuinely think is so funny, like, was to- I agree with, like, the, the critique she got from Lonnie and stuff like that, which is, like, you know, 
just falling back on this sort of cliche thing that like a lot of bigger queens sort of fall back on of just like uh, making body jokes, making food jokes, falling on the table, the physical comedy, which like obviously has a place, but it wasn't clicking for me in the way that I had hoped it was given how much I love cornbread. And frankly, I thought Willow's whole shtick about Jeffrey Boyer Chapman was way more inspired and funny to me than what Angeria did. I mean, I thought Angeria was like, is so charming and like, did a good job and was definitely funny. And like, I like seeing a pageant queen who isn't, who's willing to like be a hot mess. Like that's a really nice combination. I thought she did a good job, but it wasn't as like unique and inspired to me as Willow's like shtick about Jeffrey Boyer Chapman was funny yeah. to me personally. Yeah, I think what, how Angeria saved herself is she managed to get more like, you know, quotables in there like that this is not RuPaul's Southern Hospitality Race you know she gets like <laughs> that parody line in there which works perfectly because it's like short snippets of stuff whereas Willow's kind of worked much better as like a big huge skit that they kind of had to chop up still was very funny and still better than Nigeria but I think that's kind of how Nigeria saved herself I think and yeah and I also like, think they love when somebody surprises them like that's a big drag mm. race trope like Rue loves a storyline where it's like we thought you were gonna suck at this but you killed it. Like, I guess yeah. it was more expected. Like at this point, we know Willow is going to do something kind of like slightly offbeat and weird, but like fun to watch. And like, mm. I think, I mean, at least for me, I did not expect Angeria to do so well. Like I'm now fully, like, even though I don't think Angeria, I already thought Angeria was like definitely a top contender for the season. I'm now like, oh shit. Like this bitch came to like win this thing. Like she is like, she's right. She doesn't have any of like, cause another thing the pageant Queens can struggle with is like, getting messy and being like imperfect looking and letting themselves look ugly and like all of that kind of stuff. And I feel like she showed in this episode that like, she is not afraid of that. Like she doesn't, she's perfectly willing to like be a goon in a way that like is going to serve her well, I think moving forward. It's like we're four episodes in, three episodes with Nigeria and she's kind of shown she can do pretty much everything. I can't, she sewed reasonably well, right? She, it has a great wardrobe with her. She can mm. dance, as we saw in her in her talent show, and now she can act and improv. Like that's yeah. it. You've ticked all the boxes. She's definitely like looking like a pretty pretty high level front runner at this point to me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that was that was the main the main challenge, I guess, to to do that. There was a few moments in the workroom, like I don't know, like I was saying about Carrie, the luster is is falling for me towards her. And I gave a sort of audible ugh when I heard her say, I'm I'm happy to do anything, but I'd like to stay pretty. I just was yeah. like that just really pissed me off. <laughs> she's a sir I'm having trouble describing this, but there's a she's a she represents a certain kind of queen to me that I never fully connect with, which is like I guess it's kind of what you're saying, where it's like they really don't want to be anything other than sort of just like gorge and like that bores me a lot. Like and 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 not even sort of like bringing sort of like a unique fashion angle to it like sometimes if it's gonna be all about the look it needs to be more to me than just like oh you're gorgeous you're beautiful skinny like you know you've got you're you're, like she's she it's easy to look gorgeous I feel like on some level and be her which is fine I mean she definitely looked stunning on the runway and like she always whatever but like that she's there's she's represents a certain brand of queen to me that I'd say is like probably my least favorite genre of drag race contestant which is just like boring pretty kind of like you know what i mean yeah pretty safe 
you know pretty that, unsafe that, yeah yeah that's it um then we have i don't know if you watched the second season of Dra- or canada's drag race um but Alyssa tells the story about how her dad is gay which is the same which is we we heard that in canada's drag race season two with cynthia kiss also had a gay dad who came out at the same time so it's more common than i thought <laughs> I'm honestly constantly shocked about how many stories I hear about like families of gay people. Like I've met numerous people lately that where I'm like, they're like, yeah, my brother and my sister are also queer. And I'm like, oh, what? what? That's crazy. Yeah. Like lucky you. That sounds incredible. Like, Mm. yeah, that was, I was very touched by that story. I really like, that was a nice little moment. Like I was like, oh my God. Cause I totally thought it was going in the op. They kind of did a head fake. (laughs) I was like, here we go. Especially since there was porn involved. Like, yes. Yeah, <laughs> like your teenagers were a nightmare to be caught for watching porn from their parents, and then it's turned mm-hmm. into a, a, a joyous coming out of mutual oh, parties. <laughs> literally, like that was just a total head fake twist. I was like, yes, that was the cutest thing ever. I really loved that little beat. Uh, we knew J Lo was going to be in this episode, uh, but on a scale of one to ten, how disappointed were you when we realized that her video was pre-recorded? A ten. I was complete. I felt totally. Yeah. <laughs> beleaguered i was like are you fucking kidding me she couldn't even show up like are you crazy like they really made it they like did a good job of obscuring that fact i was ready for j-lo to walk the runway or do something crazy i mean like and drag race has done such an incredible job of like really booking these divas i mean Mm. like it didn't seem near i mean there was a time period where you wouldn't have ever imagined that j-lo would show up to the show but since we've had gaga and Nicki minaj and and uh christina aguilera uh, christina aguilera i mean like it seems like there's really nobody that seems like too big of a the get fact for them. that the details about her movie pop up in the bottom left hand corner is like okay well she only agreed to do this to promote her movie and she wouldn't even bother showing up and it's just like who do you think you are? Like, it just pissed me off. She's fucking J-Lo is yeah. who she thinks she is. I On the one level, you got to respect it. She was like, bitch, I'll come on if I can get, like, full text promo for marry me in the corner of this thing. I will give you 30 seconds. And also, it wasn't one of those Zooms that have happened in the past where it was, like, actually interacting with the queens. Like, when, yeah, like, yeah, Scarlett yeah. Johansson came on, yeah, like, you could Anne tell Hathaway. that they were, like, having a back and forth. Yeah. This was definitely pre-recorded. Absolutely. We had a similar one from Kylie Minogue in Drag Race Down Under as well. Yes, I saw that one. Yeah. To see my favorite recent Kylie Minogue song, I love it, like butchered in Mm. that lip sync the other day. (laughs) That was very difficult for me to process. I was like, oh, how dare? Like, this is such a great lip sync song and like one of the best recent Kylie songs. It, it, it's it's the you know irony of 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 the drag race or give it and take it away it gives you your best song and then the queen takes <laughs> off her shoes you know keep your shoes on we have learned one thing in the history of like nine thousand seasons of this fucking show don't take your wig off don't take your shoes off that's the only thing even i know that i'm yeah. like not i'm i'm the furthest thing from a drag queen you and don't imagine. do air guitar as well that's the third rule Never do air guitar. And if you're going to play the guitar with your mouth, show it to the camera. Yeah. (laughs) Now, let's digress slightly because you are the host of Pop Pantheon. And, you know, you you take these pop titans and you you put them in the stratification of the Pop Hall of Fame. Uh, We won't get into the details of all the different pantheons. They can check out your show for that. But... I know it won't be finally decided until you do an episode on Jennifer Lopez, but where do you think she would land? Well, Jennifer Lopez is an interesting case, I think, because obviously, as a celebrity, she's as A-list as you can get. Like, she Mm -hmm. is a multi-hyphenate. She's 
been successful as a celebrity for 20 plus years. She remains, I feel like she kind of remains as, to quote another podcast, Vemi as you could possibly be as a celebrity. But in looking at her music career, I think I would probably argue that she's in tier three of the Pantheon. Um, I, I, I could see someone making an argument for two, but the bottom line, I think, is Oh, that, I was going to say four. <laughs> mm, oh, okay, good. I'm glad I don't feel... No, I don't think four. I mean, she's headlined the Super Bowl. I mean... Yeah, like, true. She's a, yeah. She's a big star, and she's got not a not on her own. Of, not on her own. That's true, but she's got a lot of hits. Like, yeah. she's got... You know, she had her first hit in, like, what, 2000, If You Had My Love, and she had a hit in the early 2010s with uh, On the Floor, and Mm. so she's had multiple eras of success, which is, like, a big metric that we use on the podcast for, like, pop stars who get into the higher tiers are kind of able to, like, reinvent their pop stardom or reinvent their sound in a way that works equally well commercially after a certain period of success, like, that's a metric that I find separates kind of like the higher echelon pop stars from sort of like, you're just one of the mill pop star who has a, you know, a cute one to two or three album run and then just sort of fades into obscurity, Mm. which the more I do this podcast, you would be surprised how common that is, you know? So um, my feeling is that she probably has a, she has more than 10 hits. She's had a, you know, a pretty long run of musical success, you know, Versus most pop stars, not versus the biggest ones. And then her just sort of celebrity presence and her just sort of aura and her J-Lo-ness, I think makes her a solid three. That would be Absolutely. that would be where I would probably argue. Uh, let's get on to some of these looks of the night of a thousand Jennifer Lopez's. Uh, first up was Willow. She gave us the Grammys from 98, which was like a sort of kind of grayish blue. It was very, I don't know, it was the, it was the least glamazon, I think, of all of the looks. I loved loved it because I, as I said, it's like there's so few instances on Drag Race now where I feel like truly like surprised and excited about a queen's perspective. And like Willow has such a clear aesthetic and and perspective that feels kind of singular to her. Like I loved when the judges were like, why did you like this? And she's like, because it's sort of ugly. <laughs> like, that is, that, like, it's true. Like, I really like that. Like, she's doing something singular and she's doing it well. And it's surprising how polished it is because when she walked into the workroom, I didn't expect that. I mean, when she came in looking like Paris Hilton on like her off day in 2004, like, I was not expecting her to actually be able to like win the ball challenge or all of any yeah. of that shit. So, I I liked this and I thought it was like a really fun choice like uh, it was a not obvious choice but also it was a not obvious choice that didn't feel boring it was like oh this is like a really offbeat choice which is what I would expect from Willow in this moment and she did it well I thought yeah it was it was like with the exception of you know Carrie which is the same dress it was one of the closest like for likes I think when you see the two side by side how well it was done and just how how closely it resembles the original but unlike Carrie choosing that look felt drag camp to me. Whereas like Mm. picking the most obvious JLo dress and like just wearing it was like cool on one level, but also kind of like a little bit of a cop out on another level to me personally. Yeah. Let's jump to K for on that. I mean, I would have been disappointed if no one had done it. Oh, someone needed to do it, but it's just the question of like, 
wearing the exact dress without putting any sort of like a drag spin on it. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I thought it was on the one level, it was obviously cool, iconic, incredible that we were like staring at the dress itself yeah. or the 2019 version of the dress, whatever. Mm. Um, and of course she like looked stunning in it as we talked about, like Carrie is like a total glamazon stunner. Um, yeah. But it, it, I don't know. It's like, it just feels like it's like, it sort of speaks to what we were saying earlier about Carrie, which is like, it lacks a certain creativity to me yeah. personally. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually kind of more like she's going on there to model rather than to do drag. Exactly. Exactly. Like it just like, I d- I'm not getting to know her any better by her mm. wearing JLo's dress. Like, whereas like Willow pill, I see her pick this outfit and I'm like, True. Oh my God, like yeah. that is so Willow. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm getting to know her better. Absolutely. Uh, second up was Cornbread with the 2008 Met Gala, black with the sort of Santeria cross um, and sort of feathers around the the, the, the leg. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought this, this was one of my faves. She looked good. I thought her hair was kind of a little flat looking, but yeah. I know, I, I can't believe it. Honestly, I think the judges said like- that too. I feel so weird, like, judging that. Like, they're all so amazing, and, like, I couldn't even do, like, one ounce of anything that they're doing, so I always feel, like, weird judging their fashion looks, and I'm, like, no fashion expert or anything, but that, from what I, it's more like I can kind of almost, like, put myself in the shoes of, like, I'm so familiar with the beats of the franchise that I, like, know what their judges are looking for on a certain level, so I agree. She looked good, and, like, for a queen, for a bigger queen, you know, I find that they often can struggle with, like, how to, like, work with their body like Eureka was such a great uh, innovator on the show to me because she always just like knew how to take her like bigger body and like turn it into like something magical and like perfect and like so well proportioned and fierce and I feel like Cornbread has had flashes of that too like she knows how to like dress her body and like fit her body and like this dress looked really good my only critique was the like hair hair. they they seem to always think that your hair should be big so (laughs) it was like it felt a little bit flat but the dress was beautiful and she looked good because proportions right the way like the scale i feel it looks obviously i presume uh cornbread is just a broader frame than jennifer lopez is so the way that it's been scaled up to sort of still look the right proportions on a bigger body i thought was done very well i agree uh, i thought she looked good lady camden also one of my favorites for somebody who i regularly forget she gave us the cfda 2019 awards which was the sort mm. of coral rhinestone exposed midriff look like there was really lo- sort of like sporty but yet glamour from this that i really enjoyed I also really liked this one too. It really, I think she described it well when she was like doing her voiceover. Like it was Mm. a, it's a, you know, JLo is such like an athletic person at the same time as she's such a glamorous person. And this look was an inspired choice that captured both of those things. Like she, I liked, like you said, the exposed midriff kind of gave it a little bit of like a sporty vibe um, while also seeming like, and it was just very well done. I agree. I really liked this look too. And the color was really beautiful. Yeah. It was really nice in her skin tone. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bosco gave us 2009 golden globes, a sort of wet gold, wet look gold Versace number and like the perfectly spherical breasts <laughs> that we got. From oh her. my god! Right, yes, that was weird. <laughs> I couldn't stop looking at the fact that that was like two tennis balls in her shirt yeah. or something like that. But because she said Golden Globes, I was uh-huh. like, okay, it's a literal. It's okay. Yeah. I'll let you in. It's. Fine. I didn't it's get okay. that until you just told me. <laughs> okay. I couldn't stop looking at it. I was like, this is so weird. And I also thought that this. 
honestly was one of those dresses that like when I saw the JLo original, it was so much better that I was a little bit like it looked like a slightly less good version of the JLo original, which like I don't think is what you want in this particular situation. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of disappointed, not disappointed, but I guess I feel Bosco hasn't got a chance to show their fashion on the runway much yet because like so far it's been like Jennifer Lopez or make your own wedding dress. I kind of feel like they would prefer a looser interpretation of something that they haven't got a chance to show us yet. So I'm still I'm still holding out for like that iconic Bosco look, which I know she I, has. I, just, I know you I know you like her. She to me honestly to this point is kind of in that group of queens that I have yet to sort of like forget. connect okay. to. I'm kind of like waiting to be struck. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> speaking of waiting to be struck, Georges is up there for me. <laughs> she gave me, she gave us Super Bowl 2020, uh, the kind of disco ball, or like segment and mirrors look. You know, I guess, I understand, I guess it's similar with Beyonce. Like if you're going to do Beyonce, you don't necessarily do a look that she dances in because you know that it could be less ornate and less jaw dropping. Right. And I think out of the two Super Bowl looks, I thought Diabetes one was better. Yeah, at George's it was again kind of what I said earlier, which is like, I'm very taken with her presence on the runway all the time. Like, she's mm. fierce to me. Like, I'm really like, ooh, bitch. Like, the walk, the like, just the way she moves her body and stuff like that. But I agree. This was a, sa- a similar situation where I was like, that it was kind of like the ball challenge to me where it was like, none of these looks on like another queen, I think they would have gotten like fucking red to filth for being overly simplistic. Um, and I kept thinking last night watching Georgia's like Georgia's might be that exact queen that like needs all stars. Like she's not quite at the top of her. Mm. I mean, she's perfection. only 19. So right. Yeah, exactly. But... Like she's got a lot going on, but she hasn't quite like totally like gotten to the peak of her artistry yet. And that was really what I walked away from last night's episode feeling like a lot of potential, like total star quality. Like I really like her a lot, but like I could see her with like a little more time and a little more money, like coming back with like some pretty killer looks to match what I feel like is her like pretty incredible like energy and presence on stage yeah definitely uh Jasmine next gave us AMA's 2015 Christian Dior again more coral this one had kind of like went from coral to white as the dress went down was a Christian Dior silhouette uh again I I was just a, a sucker for Coral in this week's episode. This is, I think, the best Jasmine has looked to me. Agreed. I, I, to be honest, I had forgotten about it until you described it to me, which is like my brain fart again <laughs> about this. Like I was actually about to Google it, but then when you described it, it came back into my mind. Yes, it was like a really beautiful dress for sure. That's a gorgeous silhouette. Obviously, can't go wrong with the Christian, like the classic. If you've done well, the classic Christian Dior silhouette is a fashion classic a drag classic yeah. we've seen it done beautifully before um yeah i liked this it was good yeah 2021 inauguration from maddie oh Morphosis. my god and like, i think i again this is maddie's point because like we saw maddie try to do the twerk last week you know maddie could not give us j-lo booty if he tried so i guess it's just like this is j-lo walking to starbucks is is, you know i'm just like what is with maddie and the like too much fabric pants thing she's like obsessed with It's if my ankle like, doesn't touch the touch the trousers it's it's the right size it's fine. it it i like want to give her the benefit of the doubt like i really do but like she's just 
part of the issue is like she doesn't give it like I'm not getting it from her like on the runway like I just she's she seems unsure of herself a little bit and like lacking in confidence and like to I find that with her a lot like she had a decent moment in the in the challenge where she made the joke about like her family being really liberal and like not being able to accept her for being straight I thought that yeah. was funny but like so she's clearly got like She's got something somewhere yeah. in there, but it's all really undercooked to me. Like she gives an amateur vibe on some level to me next to some of these other girls. Like when she comes down the runway, I'm just like not getting that sort of like completely self-possessed drag energy of just like, I own this fucking shit, like eat it. You know, she just doesn't give that to me. I get kind of mousy and like not comfortable in her body and so the looks, you know, it's like the opposite of Georges in a way. Like Georges, Georges like makes these kind of like mag garments work on a certain level because they're so just like fierce and self-possessed and like in their skin. And yeah. Maddie, I just kind of feel hasn't found that totally yet when I look yeah, at Ma- it. Maddie ways. only owns 5.1% of the company. So like, still <laughs> has a bit of way to go. Very that, very that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like they, 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 you can tell they haven't had years of walking around in their bedroom in high heels. It, it's exactly it's, they, ha- they haven't found that inner courage to just let go and be model esque. Uh, which yes, is I back. completely yeah, and like you need that to be a drag queen. Unfortunately, like you want to yeah. you want when you're watching these girls, like part of the thrill is like, oh, I just want to have their level of ownership over all of this shit. And I just don't get that from Maddie at this point. The look for me that was the furthest divergent from the from the inspo was Deja Sky's VMA 2018 mm. was that when she won like the Vanguard award yeah I think so, so. I think so yeah. I didn't I didn't appreciate this look personally I thought it looked like kind of chintzy and like costumey compared when I it was like one of those things again I was shocked the judges loved it when I saw it next to the original I was like the original is just infinitely better than this yeah yeah I mean I thought on its own nice color palette grecian sort of style um but maybe you know the judges didn't have that clear reference point that we had because when you saw it you were like i mean the color palette's the same that's about it yeah and like jlo's original had these beautiful like embroidered patterns on it and like Mm. i thought some of the fabric on deja's version just looked cheaper than jlo's like you know which is like kind of unfair to say I mean, of course it was cheaper, <laughs> but yeah, it just looked different. Like whatever the price. It was Imagine different. having something look cheaper than Jennifer Lopez's. <laughs> Daya Betty also gave a Super Bowl. This time it was like a, a black with a like pink uh, waist cape. Uh, this actual silhouette looked really well for her, I think, because she's so tall. It actually worked really well. Yeah, I liked this one too. I was happy to see the Super Bowl represented numerous times on this runway. I really, <laughs> you know, you mentioned earlier that like J-Lo gets dinged because she didn't do the Super Bowl by herself, but they killed it that year. I really liked J-Lo. Oh, I loved Shakira's it too. Thing. Yeah. It was a great performance. So yeah, I, I thought this was good too. I liked it. It was, uh, I can't say it was a standout for me, but I think I'm with you that I like it better than the other Super Bowl look we had seen mm. earlier. Yeah. Uh, Angeria was up next. She gave us Met Gala 2019. I, I, this after Carrie's. This is the one that rang that I recalled the most. I think um, with the bejeweled sort of wig, 
and just it was all sort of glistening diamonds i did when i rewatched the runway i did notice that the neck the necklace the jayla wars is more of a pendant whereas this was mm-hmm. kind of more of a sort of like a collar um but she looked fantastic stunning i mean you cannot fault this person like she looked perfect like every detail her makeup is perfect the dress looked fucking as expensive and incredible as jennifer's did it fit her body perfectly it was drag in that it was slightly exaggerated in the silhouette like she had like a really big butt and like the big tits out and everything but it still felt like it had that j-lo glamour and like when you saw them next to each other you were like these are almost equally incredible like which is are pretty incredible considering that JLo has every resource on earth to like have this dress made by the finest atelier in the world. And yeah. I don't know how the fuck Angeria is making her shit. I know she, she is, she is a stunner. I mean, yeah. you can, it, you can't fault this bitch's looks. Like she looks incredible. Yeah. In the words of Michelle, it was Gorge Orwell. So it yeah, was we... Gorge Orwell. It was Gorge R, Gorge Ella R. 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 Martin. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love, I love really, really neat. Like, uh, the intersection between two really really niche areas and there's a joke in there so yeah, yeah. it was uh, <laughs> it was good it was uh, good <laughs> i won't not gonna repeat the jokes no one's get it but because uh, i work as a structural engineer i had like a, a reinforced concrete gay culture joke in my head during the week i was like no one's gonna <laughs> That's get for this, an but audience I'm of it. one and that yeah. is you <laughs> uh Alyssa hunter gave us a 2018 billboard awards uh did sort of like Michael Jackson, I guess, inspired suit with the kind of fedora hat. I thought the delivery was actually great when she gave us that like L shape with her hands. You know, the sort of JLo does like she really embodied JLo in the runway walk more than she did in the lip sync, to be honest. Uh, yes. Only thing I would say is hat was a bit too small. But again, you know, who, you know. Yeah, I liked this look. I I thought she looked really fierce. I mean, obviously she's the she's the uh, trade of the season, as they're saying. She's gorgeous as both a man and a woman. And um I liked this look, to be honest. Yeah. No, me too. I thought it was one of, one of the better ones. And then finally, Orion's story gave us the red velvet hand-stoned viney arms that was uh, worn by J-Lo at the H.R.C. dinner, which I didn't know how to look. Yeah. Was, uh, <laughs> I was like, do we have to was... bring fucking Hillary Clinton into this? <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it was like I don't know what I was quite excited for Orion in the Meet the Queens and then they went home and I was like oh shame gone too soon and then they've come back and they've just like they've been allergic to the camera or something I don't know what it is it's just like it's just it's strange again this is one that I like kind of can't even really remember she I, I yet to like they just don't stand out to me in any way and I'm I'm just like if they feel not long for this world, I'll just put it that way. Yeah. The world of drag race, of course. The world. Oh yes. No, sorry. No, (laughs) (laughs) I hope they are long for this world. They do not feel long for the world of wonder. Let's just put it that way. Nice. Nice. Uh, Algeria wins and Carrie and Alyssa lip sync in the bottom. Would you agree with that? Or would you have made other, other winners? I, I do agree, I guess. I mean, I, I, there was no way they were putting cornbread in that lip sync. I mean, you know, one thing I wanted to say earlier to you that I forgot to say, which uh, is that sometimes I feel, especially in later seasons, like the edit of these acting challenges is trying so hard to telegraph a certain thing to you about what's working and what's not that I often feel like I have trouble wrapping my head around like who's actually doing well and who's not 
can sometimes feel a little bit obscure to me. Like I can really feel the production of the show, like trying to lead me into specific thoughts about like how everybody's doing. And so sometimes it's hard for me to even like register unless someone really stands out and does something unique like Willow did. Um, I, that I did or, or that Deja did. I mean, and Deja shocked me. I wasn't expecting Deja to do well. So yes, according to how the show presented this shit to me this time that it seemed like the right bottom three. And I thought, especially given how Cornbread opened up on the runway and seemed to be really touched by the critiques and like seemed to understand in a way that like would satisfy Rue that like what was kind of going wrong there. And like, she strikes me as the smart uh, type of queen that will be really is going to be able to like take that critique and like apply it and like really fix some of the issues that they were having. I just think that they, they, there was no chance that they were going to put cornbread in that situation at this point. She's clearly a standout for the audience. They can't get rid of her. So yes, I think in this context, this was the right bottom two. What do you think? Um, I would have put Alyssa in there with some of the miscellaneous forgettable ones, you know, mm. Lady Camden, Jasmine, Take a pick, really. Other than Bosco, I thought Bosco did a great job. Right, uh, and I guess Maggie, that's true. I think Maggie was like the the mastermind behind his teams. Doing so would have saved him too, like a bit of a Pandora box and All Star Six. Like didn't get the credit, but like I would say, Georges, Jasmine, Lady Camden. But like Jasmine wasn't particularly memorable in the challenge. I guess the thing that you might have expected with Jasmine is that the runway saved her. If you're going to take mm. that per- that route on it. You might have thought that that would have saved her. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like, where was Orion? Like, maybe Orion should have been in the bottom, too. I don't know. But I I, I guess I was so not taken with the J-Lo's dress thing. Like, I, everyone I was with in the bar when they were watching it was like, cool, this is incredible. She got J-Lo's dress. That's amazing. My honest initial reaction was like, that's boring. Like, I don't like that. So I think that was probably why I was kind of like, okay, whatever. Like, well, I, I see, I thought when I saw it was Alyssa versus Carrie, I was like, okay, this is, this is rigged to send Carrie home. So I was like, surely she's not going to be able to beat Alyssa, like a Latin, a Puerto Rican queen to a JLo song. I mean, also I was like, how poetic for fucking Carrie to go home in JLo's dress. I was like, that is the saddest thing ever for her, but like kind of would have been like an iconic moment of the show. Especially since the lip sync opens up with her being like, I can't lip sync in this dress because And you know, she didn't look like it. she she couldn't look like she couldn't. I mean I don't want to be controversial here, but like I don't feel like Carrie won that lip sync to me. Personally. I don't think she would have like did she did she I know we spoke about the the no goes in a lip sync, but I also think she did a roly poly, which I think is another no go. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like she wasn't she wasn't giving me much in that lip sync like she wasn't moving particularly and I've watched it a couple times now like it was it was she's no like incredible lip syncer I don't think it has I think the dress might have been hindering her a little bit but like she was not giving much to me in that lip sync and I thought that Alyssa even though her money gun didn't go off which like was definitely a, a, a sad little moment for her yeah she was giving more in that lip sync to me than Carrie was. Yeah, but I, I guess, I, I think maybe in terms of like actual frame by frame, if Rue's watching it, like Carrie has the advantage to be able to billow out those like sort of cape and give that look that we know of 
of JLo, whereas JLo doesn't often wear a fedora or that sort of look, except maybe in Get Right or whatever. So I think Kerry was able to give actual frames of JLo a lot better than Alyssa was. I think maybe I guess, but JLo eats it on stage. JLo yes. is like JLo yeah. is on stage and she is like zeroed in perfect dance moves like everything is choreographed to a t and she is like leaving it all on the stage and i felt like carrie was kind of like flouncing around in a way that like gives me no energy yeah. of j-lo very like, meek yeah very meek yeah as a dj do you think play was the correct j-lo song to choose i mean i'm trying to try to remember if they've done other j-lo songs in the past <clears throat> they have i think they've done on the floor yeah, um, on the floor is obvious, an obvious one. I mean, I personally think like Get Right is a great drag I song. Love, I love Get Right, yeah. Yes, yeah, so, like Get Right and also would have worked with the fedora, would have maybe played in Alyssa's favor a there little bit go. more. You need a yeah. cane. She too bad she didn't have a cane, because like I feel like the Get Right video is all about the cane. Um yeah, true. But uh yeah, I mean I I liked that I kind of liked that it was a little bit of a less obvious choice. Like play is like was a hit in its time, but is not necessarily like one of the top five most iconic J Lo songs. Uh, but uh, you know J Lo also has a lot of songs from her main heyday that are kind of slower. Like she was kind of part of the hip hop and B sort of like early two thousands, like eighty five beats per minute. I'm real remix, you know. Um, I think Love Don't Cost a Thing would have been a really fun lip sync song as well. So, yeah, I, I thought it was an okay choice. I think I would have picked Get Right or Love Don't Cost a Thing over both. Yeah, I, I, I do like the more hip-hop flavored songs yeah. that she's done in her catalog there. More, more my and not for nothing, but Love Don't Cost a Thing is camp. Like, that is a yeah. funny fucking song. <laughs> like, with like that you could have a lot of fun with as a drag queen lip syncing too. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh so unfortunately Alyssa has to go home she opens up her chocolate it's just chocolate she throws that wrapper onto the floor and then Rue gives this like (sighs) (laughs) like, your fucking show if you want to say me you can (laughs) I got I got two things to say first of all the chocolate thing is the dumbest shit ever like what an idiot when they introduced that I was like what the fuck First of all, we all know production is manipulating that behind the scenes. 100%. They are going to pick the queen they want to save and give them a chocolate bar that has the fucking ticket in it. Like, So can we dispense? The Drag Race audience is one of the most savvy in terms of like the way production manipulates all mm. this shit. Like, they're not getting away with anything. This is like a ridiculous conceit that is like so... I keep like... It also like ruins the momentum of the show. Like all of a sudden I'm like, okay, it's over. She's gone. And then I'm like, oh wait, there's this whole other beat now I have to adjust to of like total bullshit. And the the other thing I want to say is like Rue is in a very interesting mental space this season. Like last episode, she was acting fucking crazy. I can't tell whether she's like, maybe she's just having more fun than she's had in recent times, but she is like, she's loose. She is loose. Yeah. The, the chocolate thing kind of is beginning to remind me now of like, you know, Jiggly, don't go, because this season is a game within a game. Yeah, and you're very just like, that. Oh my God, they've got... Can we just take that as red at this point? Thank you for your time and chatting. Tell me where... Well, I know, because I listen to Pop Pantheon, but tell <laughs> people who haven't listened to it yet where they can find it. I'm sure they've heard what it's about in this episode. But yeah. Pop Pantheon, which is my podcast, where I know we've talked about it, but like every episode basically is about a pop star and me and some sort of guest expert critic super fan 
break down their entire career and discography, and then we rank them in this system of five tiers, which I've created called the Pop Pantheon, which is like icons, you know, uh, megastars, mere superstars, working class pop stars, all the way down. They all have different criteria, whatever. We have a huge debate at the end about where each pop star fits in this Pantheon. I think listeners of this podcast will enjoy it if you like pop music, if you're obsessed with pop stars, as I imagine many Drag Race fans are. Um, I really think you'll like it. It's it's both. I'd say it's somewhere between like educational and a party. <laughs> like it's fun, and I hope people walk away like knowing something they didn't know before. Anyway, you can find it on all major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know. And you're not messing around with your guests. You're getting like the creme de la creme of like music conversation on the show as well. So like, it's really great to hear. Thank you. Yes. And like, I, I, I too am like gagged by who comes on the show. So <laughs> like not, I, I exceeded my wildest expectations in that regard. So yes, come check it out. It's really, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, I think it's really good. <laughs> I think, I think my podcast is good. <laughs> That's all from me for today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thank you for listening. Any questions, thoughts, comments, head over to Instagram at CCThatPod. Let us know what you think. We'll be back on Tuesday with the first episode of UK versus the World. We'll be doing an Instagram Live over on Instagram and then the episode will drop the following day. I won't be here next Saturday. I'll be on my holidays, so James will be here. And he's got a really cool guest to chat to, and I'm looking forward to listening to that episode myself um, while I'm on my holidays. So that'll be fun. Uh, Yeah, have a lovely week, and I'll see you. Love you. Bye. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com.